This morning we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6. I remember a friend of ours from way back, you see part of our meeting where they moved out to Arizona. Uh, Reed used to say, you know, sometimes when we are thinking our thoughts, we think that they're all our own thoughts. But that's not necessarily the case. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. And finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the schemes or the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. In this we are not told to fear the enemy, but to respect our enemy. That he's real, and he is at work. And how is he at work? In what ways is he at work? How is how are we fighting against him? Peter refers to the devil as the enemy of our soul. And so it says we are in a war. We are wrestling against spirits, not against flesh and blood. The flesh and blood struggle of the world is not our way. We are fighting against spirits. The Apostle John says, refers to himself and the other apostles, and those who are following Christ, he says, we are of God, and the whole world is under the influence of the evil one. So if we follow the influence of the world, we easily can be drawn in by the devil to do the devil's will instead of God's will. And it is, and the subtlety of it speaking to us through all the different ways of the world, the media, the entertainment industry, the uh, every you know our our peers, our you know our news outlets, everything we can be influenced in those ways, and there are other ways too. But it's important for us to take into account what's going on in our life. Because there's a lot of thoughts that we're bombarded with. And we will say, well, why, is, why are all these evil thoughts coming to my mind? Or, boy, all this carnal stuff is coming at me all the time. You know, and all these influences. And we don't even recognize that the enemy is bombing us with thoughts that are evil. This is not a devil made me do it kind of a, of a speech. This is acknowledging that we are bombarded 
with all kinds of evil influence that try to get us to make bad decisions, uh, to make uh, to go in wrong directions, to uh, act in wrong ways, to walk to walk out of love, uh, to walk out of God's character, to not walk in the way of Christ, and <clears throat> and then we look at ourselves and why am I doing? Why am I acting like this? Why? Uh, <clears throat> We're listening to the wrong voice a lot of times. Not always, but sometimes. And when we are, then we fall under the influence of the enemy in one way or another. <clears throat> and <clears throat> the voice of the enemy, there's something that he does that's very deceitful. He appeals to what's pleasing to our human nature. And so we go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, when we have Adam and Eve, and we see him at work doing this from the very beginning. And it hasn't changed. This, has, this, this kind of uh, seduction, this kind of influence is still with us today and causes us to trip up and stumble today. Beginning chapter 3 of Genesis and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. One of the ways the devil works to deceive people is to try to attack the integrity of God in His Word. The things that God has declared in His Word. That they are real and they are right. And they can be trusted. And so we begin to hear the enemy deceiving Eve by, by putting doubt in her mind of the integrity of the Word of God. You know, when we're trusting God, when we're putting our trust in Him, the enemy tries to put doubt in our minds about the, the truth of the Word of God in so many different ways. The Bible says that the so, to the sower and the soil, the parable of the sower and the soil, Jesus said the first one was the seed that fell by the wayside and the birds came and ate it up. And Jesus interpreted that as being the one who, who when he hears the word, the devil steals the word out of his heart lest he should believe and be saved. You see that he is at work to try to blind people and deceive people away and steer them away from the Word of God in any way he can. Unbeliever, to keep him in unbelief, and to the Christian, to keep him to whatever degree he can in doubt and unbelief to the Word of God. 
So he's not living a victorious Christian life. He's not living by faith. And by any chance, he can draw him back into his kingdom. Because Jesus said there are some who believe for a time. But in time and testing and persecution, they do not continue. So the next thing he says in verse 5, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, that you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> right here he's questioning the character. He's putting doubt about the character of God. Whether he can be trusted that God isn't good. That maybe God isn't it. And, and begin to put try to get us to have a bad uh, viewpoint of God. You know, God's not good. He he doesn't want you to be like him. He knows you're going to get power and you're going to get all this wisdom and you're going to know all this stuff and all and everything else, you know. So <clears throat> so now Eve is down that road of deception already. She's already got a listening ear. And the next thing it says is so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. It appeals, it appeals to the flesh. You see, the enemy got her to look at how it appeals to the flesh. All the, the, a rebelling against God. But who cares? It appeals to the flesh. And she took its fruit, and she, she also gave to her husband with her, and, and he ate too. In verse 8 it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees. So their separation from God happens in the very beginning. So, we see it happen from the very beginning. The next place we want to look at is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. And we see a similar attempt with the devil trying to deceive Jesus after 40 days of fasting. Forty days and forty nights of fasting. <clears throat> Beginning in verse one, and Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is right after John the Baptist had baptized Jesus. Being verse 2, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So, in what ways... Did this happen? 
Now, some people believe that the devil appeared to Jesus. It says, the devil said to him. How did he say to him? Did he appear to him with horns and wings and stuff like that? And Like they, they show uh, pictures, uh, that paintings of like that. We don't know if he even appeared at all. All we know is he, he was speaking to him. But Jesus, being full of the Spirit, recognized the voice of the enemy. And he said it, and he responded through the Word of God. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. He was hungry. And, the enemy, and he didn't have any food. He's out in the wilderness. And the enemy is trying to tempt him uh, to use his power in a way that wasn't fitting. And uh, Jesus' answer was, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then it says in verse 5, then the devil took him up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you'll worship before me, all will be yours. So again, the appeal to pride, the flesh, the human nature. This is how the enemy works. A voice which appeals to our human nature, our natural self. The things that appeal to us naturally that are not from God. Pride of all kinds and all kinds of power and authority and, and to be looked up to and, and to be praised of the praise of men. And power and authority over men and, 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 and the people of the world and, and have all kinds of things at your disposal to appeal to your human nature. And he lays it all out before him. And again, it doesn't say that he physically appeared. Why do I keep on emphasizing that? The reason I'm emphasizing that is because he may have just been speaking that into his mind, just like we have thoughts that come into our mind. And Jesus recognized it. He recognized the enemy was trying to influence him to do evil things. And how did Jesus respond? He says in verse 8, And Jesus answered, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He skillfully used the Word of God. It's part of the armor that we're told to put on. Put on the full armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. To both defend and attack. The sword. The sword of the Spirit. Using it skillfully. And we use it skillfully because we are uh, accustomed to the Word of God. We are. We know the Word. We've met. We're meditating on the Word day and night, as the Word, as it says in Psalm one. We're meditating on it day and night. We are familiar with the Word, and Jesus here used it skillfully to respond to the enemy. Respond in the time of temptation. Verse 9. 
And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the top of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you should dash your foot against the stone. Notice the word, if there, if you are the Son of God. Prove it, you know. Use the power of God. Use God's power to prove it. Show, show me here you're the Son of God. And I'll, draw, I'll, I'll throw you down. Jump, through, jump off the temple, the top of the temple here. So he was transport, supernaturally, apparently, transporting Jesus. He was supernaturally showing him things. But he was also speaking to him. And Jesus, again, being full of the Spirit, was in a place to recognize and discern the work of the enemy to try to influence him. And all of us, at one time or another, get fall under that influence when we start to listen to the wrong voice. And we might just, you know, if we're in a time of temptation, believe it, believe it, believe it. The enemy is at work speaking to you. It's not just your human nature. It is your human nature, but there is an enticer, an enemy of the soul that is trying to entice us. Why? The Bible tells us to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It's not good for the soul. Not only is it rebellion against God, it's not good for us. In another place, it says, Beware, lest you be hardened in your hearts through the deceitfulness of sin. The enemy tries to get us, our hearts hardened. To, to what? To the Word of God. To the voice of God. And to listen to His voice instead of God's voice. It is a grand deception. And there's a great warning. The reason why there's warning in there in the, in, the, in the Word of God in the New Testament is because of the seriousness of this struggle. It is a war. And sometimes, in the daily merry-go-round of life, we forget all that. And we're just kind of being, uh, just going, walking in the nat- natural. We're the natural man just walking about Forgetting, walking away from the mirror, forgetting who we are. Like it says in the book of James, that we are the children of God. And we forget that and we just walk like everybody else. You know, we don't, to some degree or another. So the next place, and of course Jesus uh, you know, rebukes him again with the word of God in verse 12. And then in verse 13, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Sure, we can continue. In the power of the Spirit... as we overcome the enemy and the flesh it says that the enemy departed for another for a more another opportunity <laughs> waiting 
And there is plenty more that he sought to trip Jesus up. So an aware this is about awareness that of the <clears throat> that other dimension, that dimension of the spirit. We talk about the spirit of God at work. We talk about the unseen spirit, the angels given charged over us to you know to guide us. The, the, the angels have been given to as minister servants to those who inherit salvation. But then there's uh, you know a need for an awareness in our in the spiritual mind that there is someone trying to trip us up. And the importance of being aware of that is uh, necessary on a regular basis. To understand that there's a voice that's speaking into our minds. In the medical world, they call it the power of suggestion. Hypnosis. You tell something to somebody... You just keep on, you know, hitting them with it, telling them with it, and just keep on uh, just this uh, consistent thing that keeps on coming until you put it away and you refuse it. Similar to the power of suggestion and hypnosis. And if we listen to it, we fall under the power of it. The next one is in Matthew 16. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. And Jesus took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're an offense to me. You are set, not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. This is the same Peter, same Peter who earlier uh, Jesus said, "Who do men say that I am?" And Peter said, "You are the Christ, the Son of God." And Jesus said, "Blessed are you, Simon. You know, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but your Father in heaven." A disciple of Jesus, God was, the Father was speaking through, and then a short time later, the enemy is speaking through. Why is this important? What is, what is the importance of this? Jesus was able to discern something. Do we discern it? That sometimes the enemy will speak through God's disciples, Christ's disciples, and sometimes he will speak 
Um, God will speak through him. Sometimes the enemy will speak through the same person that God speaks through. In other words, we should never put our trust in any man. No matter, no matter if they're a famous evangelist who, or, or preacher that preaches powerfully and uh, just so strongly, we, we should never put our trust in, in man. Even, even a man with a great reputation for being a Christian and speaks power, God speaks powerfully through. We must always use discernment and never trust in anyone. And Jesus could see through it. He had discernment. The discernment that comes through the Holy Spirit. And the next place is in Luke chapter 10. Back in Luke. Should have coordinated this a little better. Luke ten seventeen. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The discernment that the enemy is subject to us in the name of Jesus. Through faith. If we believe that. He says He gives us power and authority over all the work of the enemy. And that power and authority also includes our own minds, our own, all those voices that the enemy tries to influence us to appeal to our flesh that come into our own minds. Thoughts of an unloving spirit, an unchristlike spirit, thoughts of ungodly things, ungodly attitudes, things that appeal to our human nature that are wrong, to appeal to our pride and the praise of men. And so here we have it. He says, they were, they were remarking how the spirits were subject to them. The demons were subject to his disciples in Jesus' name. And Jesus says, I give you power and authority. I give you authority, I'm sorry, authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. All means all. All the power of the enemy in our lives first to take control of ourselves, take control of our minds. As Peter says, sober up the loins of our minds to take control and take authority over our minds so we're not being influenced by this stuff. Remember, 
If the Son of God was subject to this stuff, so are we. And we're being warned of that for a good reason. Because that's the truth. We are in a, in a war against spirits. And we need to be aware of it and to respond as such. And not just kind of sweep it all under the carpet and just kind of say, okay, and just continue to stick our head in the sand about it. We have to respond in a way to prepare ourselves and to be ready in this war. Jesus was ready. When he was under attack, he was ready. And says, so then Satan left him for another op- wait for a more, another opportunity. I'm sure he's going to keep on coming. But why did he leave Jesus? He wasn't getting anywhere with him. Well, I'll wait until he, he has a weak day, a bad day. Then I'll come back, you know, and I'll try some more. It ain't working today. He tried three different ways. Two, did all kinds of stuff. Put him on top of the temple. Showed him a, 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 a vision of all the kingdoms of the world all at once. And offered all his thumb to us. Telling him all this stuff. It wasn't working. He took out all the tools in the toolbox. It wasn't working. So he left him for another opportunity. Maybe wait today. Jesus maybe was not feeling good. Or was under, you know... A lot of you know a lot of things happening or you know whatever like the Garden of Eden I mean the Garden of Eden the Garden of Gethsemane I'm sorry things like that Jesus gave us all authority over the power and over all the power of the enemy trample on them and he says nevertheless do not rejoice this in this that the spirits are subject to you. Spirits are subject to us through faith in Christ. <clears throat> Make sure there's no more in the Gospel of Luke for anybody. <laughs> Okay, the next one will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Now this is believed to be where Paul is talking about the guy, the Christian brother who they had to send away in chapter 5 of, of the 1 Corinthians, that he had repented and come back and is believed that this is what he's talking about here. And he's telling him first in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive, for indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of the tools of the devil. And we've already talked about some of them, how he's using them 
on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and how he used them to try to cause Jesus to stumble. And there, there's lots of other examples that we can't don't have time to get into. But the, an awareness. And here's a guy who had who had sinned and they had sent away and he had repented and come back. He says, we need to forgive him and embrace and accept him. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. What is he referring to in this thing here? He's referring to uh, just having like a, an attitude of unforgiveness or not receiving him back the way he should is, is talking about here. And so he says, receive him back. Don't have an unloving spirit, and don't, you know, not embracing this brother. He's come back. He's repented. Embrace him. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices to divide and to harden our hearts with an unloving spirit and unChrist-like attitude. Uh, the next one is in Second um, Corinthians chapter ten. Uh, verse three: For though we walk in the flesh in our bodies, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Verse 7 says, Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Now, this is very important awareness when it comes to. Not being ignorant of Satan's devices. This clearly shows us that our mind is under attack. That we are in a war, it says here, weapons of our warfare, it acknowledges the war, it says they're not of the flesh. For the Christian, the weapons of war are not guns and arrows and and bombs and you name it. Flesh, the war of the flesh. It is a war of the Spirit. It says they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down spiritual strongholds. It says, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. A stronghold, is, is, it's also tr- uh, translated in some versions as a fortress. Fortresses. Pulling down fortresses. Castles. Where are they? Tells us. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to obeying Christ. Well, where is that at? Where are thoughts at? Thoughts are in the mind and in the heart. Thoughts that come to us that are not always our own. You know, the things that were being spoken to Jesus, were not. that was not Jesus speaking to himself, that was the enemy speaking to him, trying to trip him up. And we have thoughts that come into our mind. 
to appeal to our human nature, to our pride, the corruption that's within us. And frankly, we don't always recognize it. We don't always discern the voice of the enemy the way Jesus did. But it says that Jesus was full of the Spirit and he recognized the voice of the enemy and he responded and skillfully used the Word of God to put the enemy in his place. Power and authority he had. He believed it. We have been given authority to pull down these fortresses that in our in our minds and that try to influence us wrongfully. Power and authority has been given to us. Behold, I give you authority over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, the evil one. Power and authority to take a hold of our mind and sober it up and to be spiritually minded because the carnal mind does, is not in connection with God. In order to be in connection with God, we have to be spiritually minded. In order to be spiritually minded, we have to tear down that wall. Tear down those walls of fortresses, of things that have been that we've listened to the enemy from the time we were a child even, and built them up and allowed them to stay in there. Tear them down, it says. All the stuff that we have established in our mind that are natural, that are naturally carnally minded. We have to tear them down because they interfere with the voice and the direction and the will of God. And so, it says to do it, cast down arguments against the Word of God. Everything that disagrees with the Word of God. And it's all over the place. It's in the medical profession. It's in politics. It's in Religion, it's in Christendom. You see that the enemy spoke through Peter. The enemy is speaking in Christendom. He's at work there. God is at work among us. So is the enemy. An awareness of this and the discernment of this is crucial. Can't emphasize that how crucial. And how important this is. <clears throat> Casting down imagination, arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought captive to obeying Christ. Is that possible? Jesus said he has given us power and authority over the enemy. We have power and authority. It's a spirit of a sound mind. It's a spirit of self-control. And controlling self also means controlling our mind. So we have been given the tools to win this war. But we need to take heed and be aware. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Do we hear the voice of God and what he's saying here today? Do we hear what he's saying? And are we willing to put it into action? 
to bring our thoughts in line with His Word, to obedience to Jesus Christ. We talked last week about the, the proverb which says, My son, give me your heart. God is not answering, asking us, or He's not commanding us to give us our head. My son, give me your heart. And we are responding to this from our heart. He's leading us in the response of the heart to embrace this guidance this teaching, this direction that we hear in the Word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> in this chapter, in this passage, Paul is talking about and deception and he says <clears throat> and he's concerned about some in, in the church in Corinth and he says for I am in verse 2 I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. <clears throat> and so on, he says in verse, uh, in verse 12, For what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves as servants or ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their work. Jesus referred to them as the wolves in sheep's clothing. There's great deception in Christendom to deceive the flock, Jesus warned. And that's why the discernment of the work of the enemy is all-encompassing. To hear the voice of God and not to be diverted to another voice. The voice of God agrees with the Holy Scriptures that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we must have that discernment. We think of the story Billy Graham used to teach. He used to talk about, about his friend in the treasury. He used to be in the, he was in the, the counterfeit department. And he said to his friend, he said, you must have to study a lot of counterfeits to be able to recognize them. He said, no. He said, we never study counterfeits. 
he said, we study the real thing. He says, we'll know a counterfeit when we see it. We study the Word of God. We don't have to study Satanism. We don't have to study false religions. We don't have to do any of those things. The Word of God, God will speak to us through it. And He'll give us discernment. The Holy Spirit will give us discernment concerning all these things. So finally, a few thoughts in closing. If you study the book of Acts, there is a recognition of the resistance that Satan was doing in different places. He said, we wanted to come to you. He said, but Satan hindered us. Paul wrote one of his letters. That would be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, in First Peter, chapter five, Peter says, "Be sober and watchful, because your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same trials are being accomplished by your brethren throughout the world. This is not something unique to us. We think, oh, is, is this, why is this weird thing happening to me? The strange thing's happening to me. It's happening to all of us. We're all under attack. And the reason why is because he's our enemy. And that's why he says we must be sober and watchful. Be on guard. Not absorbed with the flesh. And diverted by the things of this world. And the appeals of the flesh. And the feeding of the flesh. The Apostle John says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We can have victory over the devil and over the world which he influenced through faith in Christ and faith in his blood. It is the blood of Jesus that freed us from the devil. And that is what we walk, walk in, the faith in, in Christ and in his blood. Because it says in Corinthians that if, our, if the enemy had known what would have happened in the crucifying of Jesus, they never would have conspired to do it. They didn't realize that through the, what the blood of Christ would mean. May God open our understanding to know and to understand and to believe the authority and the power that we have through the blood of Jesus. And all the doors that swing open to us all the promises of God through faith in the blood of Jesus, including power and authority over the devil through the faith in the blood of Jesus. In the book of Daniel, it mentions in two different places that when the Antichrist comes, he's going to make war against the saints. And it talks about it. And it says it in the book of Revelation also. 
I will read that. It's Revelation 12, chapter 12. Just bear with me for a second. Revelation 12, verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. And they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven anymore. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. They overcome Jesus by the they overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus. They are accused by the devil day and night, but they overcome all the accusations that he makes before God day and night through the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And verse 17, and the dragon was enraged, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus. War against the saints. We don't need to fear it. We need to be aware of it, understand it, and have the sermon about it that we are in a serious and a sobering warfare. And to recognize it and to act and to live accordingly. Not to be unsober. Not to be spiritually sluggish. But let the Spirit of God stir us up in this world. And be filled with the Spirit. Not be overcome and, and, and dragged away. Because all the thoughts that come to them, not all ours. Not all of them are the voice, our own thinking. Not all of them are the voice of God. Some of them are the natural man working with the enemy. The enemy at work. Not all of our thoughts arise. He's trying to divert us. Be sober and vigilant. On guard. Watchful. Because your enemy, the devil, wanders about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith Christ, the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus to overcome in this war.